0: The time of my departure has come. In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated.. <clears throat> I'm going to make a sports illustration. I know perhaps for some of you, that's not the kind of thing that you're really into is going to resonate, but hopefully as you know be mine now, I'm not always going to make sports illustrations in my sermons, but I'm feeling the sports vibe right now. So just just bear with me. We'll get back to Virgil and Homer and whatnot later on. (laughs) So I'm a lifelong Notre Dame football fan, and I do mean lifelong. My grandfather went to that great institution, and and so instilled a love for that school in my father, who then passed it along to me. I remember when I was eight years old, my grandfather took our whole family, aunts, uncles, cousins, to watch Notre Dame beat USC at the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. Or I recall when I was about 12, he took the whole family, my grandfather did, the whole family to watch the movie Rudy when it came out in the theaters. And then just yesterday, with my father out from California, my wife and kids and I made the trek, the pilgrimage, to watch our first home Notre Dame football game in the house that Rockne built. Through thick and thin, through good seasons and more challenging ones like this one, my fandom to this football team has remained secure. Now, this is kind of a silly illustration, but I think it does offer a bit of a picture of how I think St. Paul has been instructing Timothy in his second letter to Timothy, which we've been examining together this past month. If you might recall the, the, the repeated structure of Paul's exhortation to Timothy, Paul says, You have received the gospel. Nurture and develop it, and then pass it along to others. Receive, nurture, and develop, and pass along. I think my devotion to the Fighting Irish has followed a similar arc. I received this from my father and grandfather. It was nurtured and developed by means of Saturday afternoons watching games on TV and attending a few games in person. And I won't say exactly intentionally, but I too have been passing along this devotion, for good or for ill, to my kids, and even my poor wife, who married into it. And this is the arc that we've seen Paul convey to Timothy as we come today to this fourth and final chapter of this epistle. Throughout the letter, we've seen Paul remind Timothy that he's received the gospel, he's encouraged Timothy to nurture and develop the gospel, trying to apply it to all areas of his life, and exhorting those to whom Timothy ministers to do likewise, to pass along the good news about Jesus Christ to others. And when I read this last chapter, when you you see this last chapter here, chapter 4, I think we get a real sense, a real feel for Paul's mental and emotional state as he prepares to close out this letter and and close out his ministry, which if you recall the context when we first talked about this letter, Paul's writing this at the end of his life as he's imprisoned in Rome. It seems that Paul knows he's nearing the end, which only serves, I think, to further underscore his exhortation all the more. Here again, what Paul writes here in in verse 6, Paul says, For i'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come i've fought the good fight i've finished the race i've kept the faith henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the lord the righteous judge will award to me on that day and not only to me but also to all who have loved his appearing i think we see paul clearly feels the weight of his looming demise this is the end of his life and he's been eager and passionate to ensure that Timothy will be equipped and encouraged to to carry on the project that Paul so faithfully had been engaged in during his years of ministry. And in fact, throughout this letter, as we've seen, Paul has actually set himself up as an example of the very tasks that he's calling Timothy to take on. Paul's reminded Timothy that, that Paul himself had received the gospel, both as the culmination of the faith of his ancestors and as the specific revelation to him on that Damascus road. And Paul has learned all about the implications of the gospel for his own life and for the lives of others and then Paul himself had worked the rest of his life to pass on the gospel in his preaching in his church planting and in his letter writing as Paul puts it he fought the good fight he finished the race he kept the faith and this example is something that I think Paul wishes Timothy to emulate at the end of his life at the end of his ministry Paul wants Timothy to look back on his service to the gospel and likewise be able to say he had kept the faith. Now There are, there are many emotions that we associate with death. Uh, for, for the Christian, from my perspective, death is something of an emotional roller coaster. It includes both grief and gratitude, sorrow and celebration, pain and joy. And we try to capture some of these emotions in our funeral services and in our commemoration of the faithful departed. I think one thing uh, the death of a faithful Christian can be, as Paul here illustrates it, is motivating. Paul offers almost an invitation here in the text to Timothy, saying, I've reached the end. I've kept the faith. Wouldn't you like to do likewise? Wouldn't you like to reach the end of your life and be able to say something similar? Wouldn't you like to be able to look back at the end and see how you've received, nurtured, and passed along the gospel? Paul's imitation and, and motivating example to Timothy and is his to us as well. Wouldn't we like to reach the end of our lives, whenever that may come, and, and be able to say, when the time of our departure has come, that we too have run the race, kept the faith, as Paul and Timothy and all those faithful Christians who come before us have done? And then Paul makes a bit of a shift in verse 9. One thing I love about the conclusion to this letter is that it's incredibly, kind of even ridiculously practical. And Paul's literally reminding Timothy to bring his cloak, his books, and above all the parchments. <laughs> we scholars recommend, or recognize that sentiment there. And here it is in Holy Scripture. And then he lists a bunch of people, specific people, and Paul's business with them. Demas deserted me. Luke's here with me. Tychicus I sent to Ephesus. Watch out for Alexander the coppersmith. These were very specific and very practical things that Paul was thinking through as he was wrapping up his charge to Timothy to pass along the good news about Jesus Christ. And and I think for us, for us, this licenses us to be very specific and very practical in our consideration of how we as individuals and we as a community at All Souls are are called to pass along the good news about Jesus Christ. So if I might suggest, I, I think there might be Maybe three pressing ways, three immediate ways that I see that we can join together in this gospel project here at All Souls. Three ways of of receiving what this gospel community is and has been, of nurturing it, and of passing along. And very specifically, these relate to our community, our building, and even our budget. So first on community, we, we all here, members, regular attenders, irregular attenders, Visitors, we've all received this community. We receive this community that has coalesced around the good news about Jesus Christ. And I think this community has shown some uh, incredible resilience and an incredible devotion to one another over the past few years. And I'm, I'm extremely grateful for that. But we don't just receive this community, we need to nurture it as well community, our relationships don't just happen automatically, it it takes a a little bit of effort at times. Minimally, it takes just like showing up. We show up to worship together, we we show up to learn in catechesis together, we show up to fellowship after worship, we show up to house groups and and youth groups and other opportunities. We even show up on smaller scales in one another's lives through coffees or dinner invitations, through laughing and crying together, or even just through a friendly wave on campus or around town. We receive and and nurture this gospel community as a place where the good news is made manifest in our relationships with one another. And so I'd like to invite you to continue to show up for one another in this community in order that we might welcome others into it and, and pass it along to those who might come after us. A second way that we can receive, nurture, and I think pass along the good news about Jesus Christ is through our worship space, through our building here. We've received this building as a center and a source for proclaiming the gospel in word and in deed, for worshiping in word and sacrament, and for being sent out into the world as as gospel ministers. We've received this building and we need to nurture and develop it so that we can eventually pass it along to those who come after us. Last week, very practically speaking, the vestry sent out a me, uh, an email saying that the vestry had decided that at the time it was ripe to make some small improvements to our building to improve its accessibility. Uh, as you might recall from our strategic plan, those of you who are members and longtime attenders, improving the accessibility of our building for those with mobility issues is a very high priority for us. And a large-scale building project to pull this off permanently is not when we felt we had the the, the energy or the bandwidth or the stability to pull off immediately. We do think we can take some smaller-scale steps to nurture and develop this space to be more accessible. The first steps actually are not steps, but a ramp that you saw as you were walking in the building here. Freshly poured concrete just this week, and we plan to install some chair lifts in the stairways over there as well to get up and down into the uh, into this space. It's not a perfect solution, but it's something we can do right now to buy us a, a few years to prepare to do something a bit bigger when we're ready for it. And We also hope, as the vestry mentioned, to nurture and develop this building that we have received with a fresh coat of paint perhaps a new floor, and some other aesthetic updates in order that we might be able to pass along this worship space to future Anglicans. So I'd like to invite you to think about how you might support this very tangible work. And then finally, we, we receive, nurture, and develop, and pass along the gospel by means of our budget. Now, don't gloss your eyes over when I say the word budget. As I wrote recently, budgets are expressions of values. I'm going to say that on repeat. When we think about the values of this parish, the kinds of things that are reflected in our our mission statement in your bulletin every week, I think we need to think about how we're going to express those values by what we do with our money. We are in a season now when the vestry is consulting with various ministry leaders about their hopes and their dreams for the next year, about how they want to and how they're feeling called to nurture and develop the gospel work that they've been engaged in. And the vestry is asking you all to consider committing some certain amount of money, an amount totally up to you and God, to the parish for the next year. So I'd like to invite you to take the very practical step of filling out your pledge cards as a way to join in this nurturing work as we're doing here at All Souls. We at All Souls have something far more important, far more meaningful, and far more precious than devotion to a college football team. As much as I root for the Fighting Irish, it, it pales in comparison with the riches of the gospel. And in the mystery of God's wisdom, God has chosen us to receive this good news about Jesus Christ. And he's called us to nurture and develop this good news. He's called us to pass along this good news to those who are around us and to those who come after us. And we see examples in Paul and in the lives of those faithful Christians that have come before us that have likewise reached the end of their lives. As we observe the end of their time, we can allow that to motivate us to follow their good example, to finish the race and keep the faith. And in very practical, very specific ways, we can join together in the immediate to do the work of receiving, nurturing, and passing along the gospel through our work together on our community, on our building, and even on our budget. So that whenever the time of our departure comes, we might with confidence be able to say, I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Amen.